Well, happy Easter to all of you. Today we are celebrating the fact that Jesus is not dead anymore. I say that for all our military folks that are from out of town. Around here we say Jesus ain't dead, okay? And uh, if, if you're PCSing in or if you're here uh, and you're out of town, um, a lot of people from different parts of the country, uh, Jesus ain't dead. That's, that's what we say. But the fact is, is that Jesus, I'm being funny. The fact is, is that Jesus is not dead. He's alive. He rose from the grave. And that's what distinguishes him from any other person. That's what makes him worthy of worship. Isn't the fact that he just went to a cross and died. He did that, and that was necessary for the atonement of our sin. But what makes him different than any other person is that he rose from the grave, that he's alive today, and we celebrate that. And so if Jesus is alive today, if you're here today, the fact is you're celebrating Easter, if Jesus is alive today, what's he doing now? You ever thought about that? What is Jesus doing now? He's, he's alive. He's doing something. What is it that he's doing? I think sometimes we celebrate Easter and we get excited and we say that Jesus is alive, but we act as if he's not doing anything worth noticing. Like even today, we're like, yay, Jesus is alive! In a little bit, we're going to go, now let's, let's go find some Easter eggs, kids. Let's go find them, you know? As if he's not doing anything worth our attention, worth looking at him and to see what he's doing. Now, don't get me wrong, I think Easter eggs are cool. In fact, I'm probably going to hide some later this afternoon. I might even put some chocolate in some of them, maybe even some money. I don't know. Things might get crazy around the house. I don't know what we're going to do, but, but why do all those things, which I love doing, why do those things and, and, and act as if Jesus raising from the dead is just a 2,000-year-old event that we're just commemorating today? Just like any other figure in history that we get a holiday for. Why, why, why do we treat it as if he's, he's still dead? He's alive and he's up to something today. So what is he doing? What is he doing? He actually told us in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, verse 20, this is what he says. Jesus' Jesus' words, here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. <laughs> All of you are like, oh, that's what the door is for. He said, I, I stand at the door and I knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and I'll eat with you. And you'll eat with me. Now keep in mind, this is, when he said this, this is post-cross, post-tomb. Jesus is alive and he shows up to John who penned the book of Revelation and he told him to write this to the church. So what is Jesus doing today? He's knocking. He's knocking at the door of your heart, and he's knocking at the door of mine, wanting to go into deep relationship with us. And, and the question is, is, what does Jesus really want? <laughs> what does he want? He's knocking, what do you want, Jesus? Do you ever say that to somebody who's on the other side of the door? They're, they're knocking, and you just want to know what they want. Maybe you want to know what Jesus wants. Maybe if you're honest with yourself, that's a question you, you think about a lot. What does God want from me? What does he want? Why, why does he want me to open the door and let him in? In fact, I think that's what we do for guests, period, whenever someone knocks at the door. I don't know if you grew up like I did. Uh, maybe you did. But when a guest came to the door, everything stopped. It was exciting. Like the whole family got up from the couch. The TV went off. And you run to the door to see who it is. And then you swing open the door. And there, there's the guest. And you invite them in. And you entertain the guest. Uh, I, there was one guy I heard of recently that said his mom had a tin with a crumb cake in it just for when guests came over. And she made the announcement whenever she bought it. This is not for you. It's for the guest. And you weren't allowed to touch it. And the kids said they couldn't wait for the expiration date to come because they knew they were going to get to eat the cake and hope there was no mold in it. And then mom would buy another one. But it was just for guests. We viewed company different back then. 
Uh, nowadays, when someone rings the doorbell, everyone kind of freaks out and gets nervous like a drug bust is getting ready to happen. And they start looking around. Did you invite somebody over? Who's at, who's at the door? Shh, get down. Don't let them see you. And, and you go and you're peeking through the blinds. And uh, then one of your kids comes down the stairs and they don't know the doorbell rang and they're being loud. Shut up. Shh, get, behind the, get behind the couch with your brother. It's almost like we view company as inconvenient. We view company even inconsiderate. Like, why are you, why are you here bothering me? And, and I just wonder if that attitude kind of affects the way we view Jesus' words when he said, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. Knocking at the door of your heart. And, and I want you to understand that verse wasn't just for people that are living far from God. In fact, when he, when he said this, he said it to the church. It was the church of Laodicea. They had gotten complacent. And Jesus was telling them, I want you to open the door because I'm knocking and I want to get involved in your life. They were complacent. Maybe that's where you are today. I don't know. But Jesus is alive today, church. He's alive. And, and he is not just sitting idly by with nothing to do. He is knocking on the doors of our hearts. And he's saying, if you'll open up and if you'll let me in, I will, I'll do what? I'll point out everything you did wrong. I'll make you feel as guilty as possible. That's how we think sometimes. That's probably why a lot of us don't open the door. Or, you know, I'm going to make life really hard and difficult by making all these rules that are going to be impossible for you to, to, to stand up for. No, he's saying, I'm going, to, I'm going to eat with you. If you'll open up that door, I'm passionate about this. He's, I'll eat with you, and you're going to eat with me. You know, a meal is one of the most intimate things you can do with somebody. If you don't like somebody or you don't want to get close to somebody, you don't go out to eat with them. You, you let them loose on the phone. Jesus is making a point here. He's saying, whatever it is you think I want, he said, what, my, the, what I really want, the most important thing to me is a personal, intimate relationship with you. And so let me ask you the question today. How do you view that invitation when you feel Jesus knocking at the door of your heart? What, what, what goes through your mind whenever you hear that knock, whenever you feel Jesus trying to call you deeper, not into rules and regulations, but into a relationship with him? Do, do you run and you hide behind the couch like we do typically whenever someone knocks at the door today? Do you hide or do you run to the door and do you open it to see what Jesus might say, might do? I, I, honestly, I think I am so tempted to do this and I know we all are as human beings. We're tempted to run and hide. And a lot of us do. And we come close enough to him that we feel comfortable that we know that he's near. But we don't want to get too close because we don't know what he will do. And one of the things you realize that when you open the door and you let Jesus in, one of the things you begin to realize really quickly is that he's God and you're not. You begin to realize that he is a holy God, that he is a righteous God. But you also begin to understand that he loves you. And the only way to operate in an intimate relationship with a God like that is surrender. That's, that's the only way we operate in a relationship with a holy God. He loves us perfectly. But surrender is the only way because he's righteous. The problem is, is that we don't like giving up control. We like to be in control. And opening up that door and letting Jesus in means surrender. Andy Stanley said something that I think we can all benefit from hearing. He said, when you choose to abandon intimacy with God for personal control, all you have left is religion. You have a, a God that kind of looks like a God. But he's predictable enough where you don't have to give up control. 
in order to keep him near. But the result is, is our so-called Christianity ceases to be about what Jesus is doing in us and how he's changing us, and it becomes about the comfortability of being in control. And if we're just honest, if I can be honest with you, it's been happening since creation. Adam and Eve in the garden, they, they loved God. God loved them. They were in intimate relationship with Jesus. They, was in a, they were in a perfect setting. They got to work in a perfect setting, tending the garden, naming the animals. And God said, eat anything you want except for this one tree. Don't eat from this tree. And they decided they would rather have control than intimacy. And when God came looking for them one day, like he always did, and they walked together, but he came looking for them this one time after they had sinned, and they hid. He knocked at the door, so to speak, and they, they ran. And for the first time, man rejected God's greatest desire, intimacy for control. And we have been doing this ever since. And there's so many things that we can hide from or hide behind today whenever Jesus knocks at the doors of our hearts. Sometimes it's religious service. And we stay busy doing things for God. And it becomes about church attendance and, 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 and serving and doing things. And people ask us when it comes to talking about intimacy, we say, of course I'm close to God. Look how many things I do for him. And yes, God calls us to do things, to serve him, but it's supposed to be out of, out of, out of a, a result of our love for him, not to replace the intimacy. All the while, we're doing that. Jesus, he's knocking at the door of our hearts, wanting to come in, wanting us to surrender, wanting to have an intimate relationship with us. Some hide behind civic service. The knock at the door comes and we feel it and we, we hide behind other things. The conversation turns to, to intimacy with God and we say, well, look at all these things I'm doing in the community. I'm volunteering. I, I'm a good person. I donate. I'm going to those PTA meetings. <laughs> I'm doing all these things. And those are all good things. But all the while you're doing them, Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart saying, let me in. I want an intimate relationship with you. I want to eat with you and you with me. He wants to go deeper. Sometimes we hear the knock at the door of our hearts and Jesus is there and we're hiding behind knowledge. And this one kind of has an appearance of intimacy with God because they can outline the book of Ephesians for you. <laughs> they can show you charts and maps and graphs and they can define Hebrew and Greek. And it seems like they've been studying the word and they have. But you know what? Satan knows the word. He tempted Jesus with it. That's not a... That, that's not, that doesn't mean intimacy with God necessarily. They have the details of theology, right? But, but no real relationship with God. And you're studying your way into knowledge here, but Jesus is knocking at the door here in your heart. And he wants to come in. Some hide from intimacy with God behind their questions. You have questions about why bad things happen to good people. And you, just, you can't wrap your brain around it. And so when Jesus knocks at the door of your heart, you, you, you kind of keep him at bay. You have questions about why, why do I feel emptiness that I feel inside of me? Or, or what is the real meaning of life? Or, or what really happens when I die? And we can't wrap our minds, we can't wrap our brains humanly around the answers. And so we reserve the right for ourselves to hide behind the questions. But if I'm honest with you, it's really not about the answers because when you get the answers in some capacity, you just find new questions. What you're really saying is, is I'm willing to believe in God in case I need him. I'm comfortable knowing he's on the other side of the door, but I don't want to give up control. And all the while, Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart. And you hear it. And you know it. Sometimes we hide behind our past experiences. And this one is, is kind of painful. You, you get hurt. 
And so now anytime something gets too personal or too emotional or, or you feel kind of God drawing you close, you immediately retreat behind what happened. And, and, and somebody's calling you, you close and somebody says something to you and you, in their words you hear Jesus knocking at the door of your heart and you say, well, but 12 years ago that pastor really hurt me. Or, or you know, five years ago that church really burned my family. We've just, we've just kind of decided we're not going to get close to God anymore. You've got this story. You've got this past and it got too close. But really what happened is you got too close to a person. You got too close to an organization. And something happened you can't forget. In fact, what we're going to spend the next four weeks talking about church labels. How many of you, if you look beside you, you've got a card in your seat that says church is. And we're actually calling this series Church Is. Hold up that card. Just take a peek at it real fast. I just want to bring it to your attention real quick. Church is. Church is. What do you fill in the blank with? Church is full of hypocrites. The only thing church cares about is my money. Church is, and then you fill in the blank, whatever it happens to be. And, and maybe, you know, maybe you've used some of these labels before for churches. And if I'm being really honest with you, I think sometimes we've earned some of those labels. And for the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about this. And I'm, I'm just going to ask you boldly, would you give us an hour a week for the next four weeks? As I give you some honest answers about these things, I want to be real. Uh, but I want to talk about it honestly. Our service times starting next week will be a little different today. Today's Easter. We're doing things a little different. But our normal service time starting next week is 9 and 11 a.m. And my prayer and my challenge to you is come. Give us an hour for, for the next four weeks. And let's talk about some of these things in a very real way. But what happens far too often is we let a person in front of us, a human being or an organization, determine the way that we view God and dictate how close we get to him. But really all we're doing is really we're just keeping control. And we're using our past experience as a, as a means to hide. When you abandon intimacy for God, for personal control, all you have left is religion. But Jesus is still knocking. He said, I'm alive. And he said, I stand at the door. And he said, I'm knocking. That's what Jesus is doing today. Every time your grandma says, would you please come to church with me? You can hear Jesus knocking at the door of your heart. Every time you see that person in the cafeteria praying and you know that maybe you need to get closer to God too, but you just don't know how to do it, that's, that's Jesus knocking at the door of your heart. Every time somebody says, you know what, can I pray for you for anything? And you really don't know what to say because you don't feel worthy enough for someone else to pray for you. Maybe you, well, you can just pray for somebody else. They probably deserve it a lot more than me. God is, is knocking at the door of your heart and he's saying, open up to me. I want to come into your life. I want to have a relationship with you. Not rules and regulations. I want to have a relationship with you. We read in the scripture some of the people that were steeped the most in a life of sin. Jesus walked up and he simply said, follow me. He didn't say, go do these things and then come back or go get your life. He just said, follow me. I want a relationship with you. And these guys followed Jesus and, and they followed him and they began to realize what a life-giving relationship was found in Christ Jesus. And he's knocking at the door of your heart today and he's offering you that same relationship. Now you may be wondering what's on the other side of that door and if I were to come over here and, and I were to open this thing and I were to actually let Jesus come in. Gosh, what would that look like? What would he do? What would he see? You know what we say when, when people knock at the door unexpectedly? We say, our house is a wreck. What do we, we live like pigs, you know? Put everything away. I don't want it to look like anybody lives here. That, that's what we do. 
and we feel like we have to clean up all of our mess before we let Jesus in. He says, I, I want to come into your life and I want to walk through this with you. You don't have to clean up for me. I already know the mess. I died for that mess. And more importantly, I rose from the grave for that mess. And I want to bring life into your life. And he, he says it very plainly in John 10, 10. He says, I, I came to give life. Life in all its fullness. And you may be wondering, what's going to happen if I open that door and let Jesus come in? What's he going to see? He's going to bring life. But we, we so often think that that's not true. If I let Jesus in this door, then he's going to bring dread, and he's going to bring rules, and he's going to, he's going to wreck my life. He's going to make me do things I don't want to do. But the truth is, listen to me, there is potential in your life that is unseen. There are things in your life, successes that are buried down deep inside of you that only Jesus can bring to life and only can happen if you open up that door of your heart and let him in. Not church attendance. I'm glad you're here. Guys, but this is a starting place. Your relationship with God happens outside of these walls, just like a relationship with my wife or my kids or anybody I'm close to doesn't happen on anniversaries or birthdays. It happens every single day. It's the same with Jesus. This is an overflow of that. There is unseen potential in you. There is things that God wants to bring to life in you that aren't seen yet because you haven't opened the door of your heart in certain places. What would happen if you let Jesus in? I can tell you what would happen. He would bring those places to life and show you things that you never thought you'd see, bring you joy you never thought you would know in the places of, of your heart that you feel like you can never have joy in, the places in your life you feel like you could never have life in. Jesus said, I've come to bring life and life to the full. There's a, there's a place in our country called Death Valley. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's dead. Nothing grows there. Uh, the reason why they call it Death Valley is because it's the hottest, driest place in our country. It, it's hot. In fact, there, it's, it's cracked. It's barren. There are signs as you drive into it in different places that say, if you don't have gas, turn around and go somewhere else and get it. Because if you continue on, you're not going to see anything for a very long time. And you might run out of gas before you find a place to get it. Nothing's out there. The average temperature in Death Valley, average during the summer, is 117 degrees. Hot. It gets less than two and a half inches of rain each year. Some years it doesn't get any rain at all. Dead. But something happened several years ago. It was crazy. In 2004, in December, something, a weather pattern came through that had never happened before. And over a matter of days, Death Valley got seven inches of rain completely soaked it in a matter of days that's more than they get in two years in several days they got it and nothing happened right away but a few months later when spring came the very next easter in 2005 this is what death valley looked like look at this picture they, they called it a super bloom and what they began to realize is that that death valley wasn't dead but it was dormant and underneath the surface of Death Valley, there were seeds waiting to produce something. There were seeds down there waiting for a resurrection day. And all it needed was for something to bring it to life. And, and maybe you're sitting here today and, and there are parts of your life that feel like that first picture of Death Valley. It feels dry. It feels dead. It feels cracked. It feels barren. Hopeless. But I believe without a shadow of a doubt, because Jesus is alive today, that just below the surface of your messed up relationships, just below the surface of, of your hurts, just below the surface of your past 
and your mistakes and just below the surface of the reputation that you don't think will ever go away, there are seeds that are waiting for a resurrection. And I'm here today, today to tell you that Jesus is the one who can bring those things to life. And he's the one that's knocking on the door of your heart right now and asking you to open up the door to him. There are seeds in your life. There is unseen potential that the only way that those things come to life is by opening up this door and letting Jesus come in. Jesus said this. He said, I've, I've come to give life. Life in all its fullness. And those words would have died with him if he had stayed dead. But he rose from the grave to be able to back those words up. If you open up that door and let him in, you'll realize something very important. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. Jesus came to make dead things come to life. And he wants to bring you life. You may think it's over for you. You may think that things can't turn around. You may think that it's hopeless. But I'm here today to tell you that Jesus is the one that can make the difference. And he wants you to open up the door for him. And maybe you don't know how. Maybe you're here today and you would say, I, I don't even know how to begin this journey because the decisions I've made up until now are too far gone. The, the path that I've walked, I've walked too far. The decisions have such lasting consequences. Pastor, I don't see how even God can make a difference in me. I don't know where, even where to start. Well, I have a verse for you. <laughs> Paul wrote the church a long time ago, and it's a church called, uh, it was the Ephesian church in Ephesus. Maybe it'll give you as the church some encouragement today. In chapter 1, verse 19 and 20, he said, I pray that you will begin to understand how incredibly great his power is to help those who believe him. How, how great is that power? Listen, it's the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. <laughs> the same power that raised Jesus from the dead and brings us life today. He said that same power can rest in you and show you how to walk with you and help you just because you believe him and just because you've opened that door. But that's the first step. You don't have to have all the answers. You just got to respond. He's knocking at the door and he wants to help you. I don't know what idea that you've had about Jesus or what false sense of control that you tried to keep. But I know the answers to your deepest needs are on the other side of that door. The door to your heart. He's knocking even now. And I believe that a lot of you in the room right now feel him. I'm not talking about being far from God necessarily. Maybe that's where you are and you feel him today. But maybe you've been coming to church a long time. Or, or maybe God's calling you into deeper relationship with him. And you hear that knock at your heart. That he wants to be in relationship with you. To bring you life and life to the full. And my question to you as I close is would you let him in? I talked about Connect Cards earlier in the morning. I want you to grab your Connect Card right now. Right before we go, I want you, everyone to grab one. It's right there in front of you. I know it's only going to take a minute, so just grab it, and we're gonna, I'm going to pray for you in just a second. But I want you to grab a Connect Card. This is for everybody. If you've been coming here 10 years or if today's your first day, I want you to feel comfortable. We're all going to do this together. And I want you to grab that Connect Card. Just kind of hold it up halfway when you have it. I want to see it. And this is what I want you to do. I want us to respond in some way today. And so on that Connect card, you'll notice that there's, there's several places for different things that you might want to find out information about. You're more than welcome to fill those things out too. Um, but I want you to write your name on there. It's very important. And then on the back where it says prayer requests, we're going to use that space. Now, if you have a prayer request, I want you to feel comfortable filling that in too. We, we definitely value prayer and we pray for you. But I want you to write one of three letters on that, on that space in your prayer request box. I want you to either write an A that says, I already have a relationship with Jesus. That's A. Or B, 
I commit today to begin a relationship with Jesus. Or C, I'm considering it, but I'm not ready to commit to a relationship today. A, I already have a relationship with Jesus. We're growing. I've let him in. I've opened that door. And I'm letting him challenge me. I'm letting him bring that life to the full. B, I am committing today to begin that relationship. I have come to the door of my heart and I'm opening it right now. And God says he can begin that relationship with you right now. If that's you, I am so happy for you. Would you write down B and be bold and just, just write down a B. I'm beginning a relationship with him today. Or C, I'm, I'm, I'm considering it, but I'm not ready to commit today. And I just want you to do that. One of those three letters, A, B, or C. Would you take a second and just do that? And write your name on it. And in just a minute, we're, we're going to walk out of here and the ushers will be there and you can drop those cards off. If you stand up, I want to pray with you before we go. And you can take a minute uh, and, and keep filling those out if you want. But when you're ready, I want you to stand up. I want to pray for us before we leave. Bow your heads with me. God, thank you so much for everybody in this room. Thank you so much that you came to die for us to give us life. Lord, I, I pray for every person that, that wrote A on their car. They, they already have a relationship with you. My prayer is that you continue to bless them and take them into deeper levels with you. There is no finish to how good you are. There is no finish to your supply in our lives. So I know that you're going to take them to, to bigger and, and better things in you. My prayer is that you continue to bless them. Lord, for those that wrote a B on their card, I am so excited. I celebrate the fact that they're beginning a relationship with you, that they were bold and said, I'm going to open that door and let you in. My, my prayer is specific for them. I know when they walk out of here, the enemy of our faith, Satan, he's going to try to tell them that what they did today wasn't significant, that it was just an emotional response or it was just, you know, maybe the air in the room. But Lord, you paid us such a big price. You paid too big of a price. For a decision like that, which is what you died for and rose again for, to be insignificant. It's significant. And my prayer is that you bless them, that you show them, that you give them knowledge and, and have people surround them, the church, so that they can further their relationship with you. God, those that wrote C on, on their card, there is no condemnation or judgment on my part or the church's part. Jesus, you said, I have not come to condemn, but to save and so far be it from any of us as mere human beings to try to condemn somebody else. My prayer for those who wrote C is that you just show them who you are. That even as they walk out of the room today, before the day is over, Holy Spirit, that you would show them and make yourself real to them. Thank you, Jesus, for doing that. We love you. We celebrate you. In Jesus' name we pray. Can we say amen together? Amen.